Hello and welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk. We're continuing to highlight the categories from Winnipeg's Vital Signs, and today's episode of RC360 is all about arts and culture. Up first, have you ever seen a cheese sculpture? Well, this year's Festival de Voyageur features a competition taking place where 16 will carve beautiful, hopefully, sculptures out of the delicious cheesy treat. J.M. Champagne from Bothwell Cheese will be here to tell us all about it. Then we'll learn about a West Broadway staple that's using cutting-edge multimedia to help kids grow and gain valuable employment skills in video and music production. Laura Johnson, Program Manager for Just TV at the Broadway Neighborhood Centre, will tell us all about it. We'll also speak with Joanne Mercier, Executive Director of the Winnipeg Music Festival, to learn more about their festival's remarkable history and the upcoming centennial celebration that's happening this Sunday. And last but not least, we'll speak with Nina Edbum Keller of the Altona and Area Family resource group and we'll learn about the importance of early childhood education when it comes to reading and literacy we've got all this some great tunes and much much more on today's episode of river city 360 hello and welcome to river city 360 nolan and roberto here with you today how are you today robert i'm well thanks how are you i'm quite well as well quite well as well we're really well really well Today's show is kind of a cool one. We're going to talk about arts and culture, one of the Winnipeg Vital Signs categories. Uh, Winnipeg, you know, we're known for our arts and culture, I think. A lot of people I talk to are always, like, pretty impressed by the music and the opera and, you know, the things that they come and check out Winnipeg for. They don't really expect it, but then once they experience it, it's kind of noteworthy, I think. It's kind of cool. Absolutely. There's no shortage of, uh, of arts and culture in the city throughout the year yeah what Um, what are some of your favorites that you like going to i love fringe festival yeah you're a big Um, fringe fringe guy eh? so yeah that's something i look forward to every summer um you know we've got folklorama the winnipeg folk festival we've got the jazz festival there's just so much actually of course festival du voyageur i called you roberto because i was trying to do a crappy french accent but Festival de Voyageur, there's a really cool thing that we're going to learn about after our first musical break. Have you ever seen a cheese carving, cheese carving up close? I can't say that yeah, I have, no. Neither. Normally that they're, we do the ice sculptures, right? They uh-huh. carve the ice things every year for Festival, but this year they're switching it up a little bit. They're going to do cheese sculptures, and we're going to learn all about it uh, after our first musical break. J.M. Champagne from uh, Bothwell Cheese is going to come in and tell us why he had this idea, what, how big the cheese blocks are going to be, and just all sorts of things. So I'm really excited to hear about that. But uh, what are we going to listen to before JM comes into the studio? Well, we are going to hear our first song, which is Oh, What a Beautiful Morning by the Count Basie Orchestra, right here on River City 360. There's a bright golden haze in the meadow There's a bright golden haze in the meadow. The cone is as high as an elephant's eye, and it looks like it's climbing. Clear up to the sky Well, I say, oh 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Up next, we've got a deliciously mouthwatering event that's taking place at Festival du Voyageur on February 18th. Sonny Primolo is now joined by J.M. Champagne of Bothwell Cheese to tell us about the upcoming cheese carving event for Festival. Sonny? 
Every February, the thoughts of snow sculptures, beaver tails, and sugar shacks cross our minds. With plenty of reasons to go, Festival du Voyageur truly has something for everyone. This year will be extra sharp thanks to a Bothwell cheese carving competition. For more on this moonster of an event, we have J.M. Champagne, partner in the new Bothwell Cheese Store in St. Boniface, to speak with us today. Welcome, J.M. Hey, guys. I need to know, what brought about the idea of having a cheese carving competition? Well, you know, Festival, they're, they, they're either really, really cold or it's really, really warm. Uh, last year, uh, unfortunately, all the snow sculptures have already had already melted before we even had a chance mm. to enter the, the grounds. So I had the idea of, you know what? Why don't we add another carving element? And just in case, you know, Mother Nature doesn't cooperate. So I had the idea of uh, doing a cheese carving competition. Uh, being from Bothwell Cheese, we're a local company. We wanted to support Festival. I approached them with the, the concept. They loved it. So we, uh, we're moving full speed ahead with it. So we're very excited. That's awesome. Uh, just how much cheese will be used for this event? Uh, well, there's going to be there's six professional uh, carvers, either from the, the snow, ice, wood uh, categories. So a lot of them, they were very excited to try their hand at cheese. So we're going to be giving each uh, carver one practice 40-pound block. Wow. And then for the competition uh, itself, they'll each have two 40-pound blocks of cheese uh, to use uh, at their discretion. Hmm. So like, to put that into context, how big is a 40-pound block? A 40-pound block is about 45 centimeters by 33 by 17 centimeters. Uh, when and where will the event be taking place? Uh, the event's going to take place on Sunday, February 18th at uh, from 12 to 4 p.m. in the Portage Tent, University of St. Boniface. And there will be six carvers in the competition, correct? Correct, yeah. And how did you source these uh, particular carvers? You know what, we uh, let the Festival uh, du Voyager choose the carvers for us. They knew who the professional carvers are and, and they put out an email. Uh, they had quite a huge response actually because a lot of these professional carvers, they've never tried their hand at cheese. So we had to narrow the field down this year uh, to six professional carvers. Next year, we're hoping if they decide to have us back, we'd like to do maybe 12 carvers and wow. really make it uh, an even bigger event. Cool. And how long do they each have to create their sculptures? Uh, they've got four hours start to finish. Uh, to, to put together their cheesy masterpiece. What will the judging be based on then? Uh, there's going to be a f quite a few different uh, criteria. There's going to be uh, creativity. There's going to be uh, originality. A few other things we're still working uh, with the festival to figure out exactly how, uh, the you know, because this is new territory for both us and festival, we're still uh, finalizing a couple of the details in terms of uh, how we're going to judge the competitions. Unfortunately, I hear we won't be eating the cheese sculptures, uh, but if someone secretly placed a plate of uh, poutine where uh, the shavings could strategically fall into place, could I take said plate? Uh, unfortunately, not just for the health and uh, safety concerns, <laughs> but uh, we will be doing tons of sampling in that tent throughout the afternoon. So if you want to, to, to get your hands on some cheese, you definitely just come down and uh, we'll have lots of sampling going awesome. on Awesome. Yeah, I was about to ask that. Since we have to succumb to the torture of seeing that much cheese and not eat it, uh, like how would they get their fix? So there will be Bothwell cheese available at the festival? Absolutely, absolutely. We'll be uh, sampling throughout the day at, uh, in, the, in the tent and then we'll, we'll also be part of the market days nice. on, uh, on the, the next Saturday. Awesome. Like Bothwell makes great cheese. Uh, whenever there's somebody in the office who has a kid fundraising with Bothwell cheese, I end up like with six blocks in my fridge and it's only there for a few days. Yeah. You can it's, never have too much cheese. Yeah. For those who don't know, Bothwell cheese is made right in Manitoba in New Bothwell, I believe yeah, it is. Yeah, that's correct. Just how many varieties does Bothwell have? 
Uh, we've got over two dozen varieties and counting. Wow. And uh, speaking of variety, there's actually uh, something in the mix that you're involved with, with a new store in St. Boniface. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely. This is a concept uh, that we've been working on for about five years now, uh, and we're, we're very excited about it. We are opening a Bothwell cheese store in the heart of St. Boniface at the foot of the Provence Bridge. Uh, what's so exciting about the concept, it's, it's so much more than just a cheese shop. Uh, it's going to be a, a showcase of other great local products as well. Nice. There are so many great products made in Manitoba in our own backyard that, that people maybe haven't had the opportunity to try or, or see on the shelves just because, you know, it's so competitive out there. What we really want to do is, is kind of give back and, and help promote these other local brands and companies. That's awesome. And so for all the inquiring minds, when should we expect this uh, shop to be opening? Well, we are hoping and aiming, and you know how with constructions and delays and everything like that, right now we are aiming for mid to end of uh, March of this year. Very nice. So when it opens, where can people go? Like, where is this going to be located? Uh, it's, it's on Provence Boulevard. It's at uh, the foot of the bridge. Uh, we don't have any signage or anything up, but uh, you'll definitely, you won't miss it. Um, it's, we're going to do some pretty neat things, and you'll make sure that you know it's Bothwell Cheese. Mm, so. Pretty excited over here. Uh, once again, the Bothwell Cheese Carving Competition will be happening on February 18th during Festival du Voyageur. Be sure to check it out. I'd like to thank J.M. Champagne, who is a partner in the new Bothwell Cheese store in St. Boniface, for coming in to speak with us today. But before I let you go, is there anything you would like to add? No, I just, uh, you know, I, I hope we see lots of people come out on, uh, on that Sunday. There's no work. Uh, the next day uh, <laughs> on the 19th is Louis Riel Day, so come out in big numbers, bring the kids, bring the family. Uh, it'll be a, a family event, uh, lots of cheese samples, and it'll be something uh, you know to be you know to witness the inaugural uh, Bothwell Cheese Carving Competition. Uh, it's going to be something pretty special. So that's um, awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Awesome, Jam. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sunny. Very cool event. Can't wait to see some of the interesting and no doubt beautiful sculptures that are going to be carved on the 18th. Coming up next, we're going to learn about Just TV. It's a very cool program from the Broadway Neighborhood Center. Uh, Just TV is a multimedia training program that's kind of helping youth in the West Broadway neighborhood learn about how to create videos, produce music, and just sort of generally learn about all sorts of multimedia uh, abilities. Laura Johnson from the BNC is going to join us via telephone after our next musical break to tell us all about it. But we've got Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons up first with Save It For Me right here on RC360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today, and we're now joined via telephone by Laura Johnson. She's the program manager at the Broadway Community or Broadway Neighborhood Center, and she handles the Just TV program, which we're going to talk about. Uh, Laura, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So the Broadway Neighborhood Center has been around for a very long time. I think I read 1947 on the uh, website today. So obviously a staple in the West Broadway area. So just tell me a little bit about the BNC and what you guys have sort of been up to lately. Well, the BNC is really the hub of the community. We have um, some excellent natural green space here, which a lot of local community members use to play sports or to hang out. Uh, We have an outdoor hockey rink. We have a gym, a commercial kitchen. And what we do is we offer programming. uh, We try to be inclusive to all community members, you know, ages six years all the way to senior citizens. We try to create a space where people can find healthy outlets and a place to hang out. Uh, We have after-school programming, uh, so many programs, Learn to Fish. There's a bridge club here that takes place Mm -hmm. once a week. Just a multitude of programming for all ages. So lots of stuff to have fun. Did I see a did I see a skate park there being built the other day or? Uh, yes, you sure did. It's oh, amazing. Cool. It just went up in the fall. Yeah. Uh, we're really excited for uh, the springtime to come and for everybody to try it out. Just put it in. It was a collective uh, effort of a number of community organizations to, you know, uh, see the vision and get it put in. And we've seen people come and visit and stand with their skateboards as they watched it getting put together. Yeah there's a lot of enthusiasm about it. For sure. Why is it important to have a place where kids and youth and and anyone can really go and sort of have those positive outlets and, and just be able to enjoy themselves in a really positive way? Well, I think it's there's so many reasons, but it's a safe space. You know, it's a part of the community. It's where people can come and connect and, you know, connect with people who have similar visions or different visions. We're really about giving young people and community members a place where they can be themselves, uh, have a voice, kind of grow and develop their skills, and really see themselves grow into their potential. And so I think it's really important to always be adapting and evolving Mm -hmm. to the ever-changing needs of the community. Yeah, and well, let's talk about Just TV because that's a perfect segue into talking about a really sort of cutting edge. I wish I had something like this when I was, you know, growing up or younger. So tell me about just what Just TV is and and how you're serving uh, the youth in, in a really unique way. Well, Just TV has been around for uh, the last decade, actually. Mm. We're going into our 10th year, and I've been around for the whole thing, I'm really proud to say. It is, you know, I came from a youth care background, and I have never had the privilege of being involved in the program that was so effective. What we do is we work with young people between the ages of 16 and 24, and we give them a voice. And we do it through multimedia, so young people have access to studios, uh, music studios, Uh, cameras, uh, video technology, and we train them in the the behind-the-scenes work of camera operation, and then they lead and we follow. So if a youth says, I want to do, you know, a documentary, we work with them to create that documentary. If a young person wants to come in and create a music video, we help them create that music video. And it's incredible. We see young people come in, and maybe they're a little bit more introverted or shy when they come in, and by the end of the program year, often it's the most most introverted youth who are emceeing our event at the West End Cultural Center to a crowd of, you know, 300 people. 
so it's an incredible program. We have three tiers. We uh, have the initial program where youth create a video piece. We have a mentorship component where youth come back and support their peers. And then we have an apprenticeship component where people in the community will hire us to make you know, promotional videos or conference videos. And we as a nonprofit hire our young apprentices. So they're getting uh, on-the-job experience that's paid under their trusted teacher. Uh, and they're getting exposed to different really fantastic things that are happening in the community. That's so cool. That's such a perfect progression of 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 skills to uh, to eventually get getting hireable skills what do you think it is about the creative side of things that really breaks down the barriers that some kids might put up or, or you know gets people to come out of their shells what is it about that sort of multimedia uh, world that 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 makes that happen well, I think it's really relevant to young people. I mean, they kind of um, are living in a society where media is at their fingertips all the time. But also, as young people, it gives them the opportunity, like I said before, to lead. So suddenly they have the opportunity to to really put together what they envision and be supported in that. And mm-hmm. then they get to show it to adults in the community in a really in an uninterrupted way. So mm-hmm. if um, you know they have something important to say, they can put it together, they can really work through their thought process, and then when they deliver it, it's polished and it's concrete and it gives them the platform to be leaders in the community which i think is really important very cool we see also lots of people from different walks of life come into the program so people who you know wouldn't maybe necessarily hang out outside of programming but i think the arts and technology and music is kind of a universal language so it brings you together and it's really incredible for like the decade we've been doing it with just the the numerous youth of different ages and interests that come in, how really supportive they are of each other mm-hmm. as artists. That's so cool. So you mentioned documentaries. I was there maybe a year ago and someone was recording a, a rap album there. What what are some of the really standout projects that you've seen uh, come out of Just TV over the, over the past decade? Oh, there's so many. Um, a lot of them have come, you know, through partnerships. For instance, last uh, fall we worked with End Homelessness Winnipeg to create a number of videos uh, around youth's perspectives on uh, homelessness and what what they wanted to raise awareness about, and they're incredible. One of those videos has, I know, like more than 40,000 hits already. Wow. Um, it's called Suits, so if you ever get a chance to YouTube it. Cool. Uh, we Just Just TV Suits? Uh, yes. So if you go uh, onto YouTube, Just TV BNC, yeah. uh, we actually have a full uh, channel where all nice. of the videos that we do are uploaded. So I would encourage anybody to go and check them all out. Cool. Uh, we have hip hop music, uh, singer songwriters. In the summers, we actually run music camps for children as young as seven years old, all the way up to eighteen, and we work with the local uh, talented musicians. Uh, we work with you know musicians such as you know Murray Pulver, or Sheena Grob, uh, lots of really talented people, and they come in and they work directly with the youth, and they write original songs, and then the youth uh, actually have an outdoor open air concert in the green space here where they perform for the community, which is amazing. That's so cool. So just so many really great uh, pieces, lots of, like I said, documentaries, music videos, partnerships with, you know, Red River College. Uh, we did a Live My Life series on what it's like to grow up in the child and family services system, which is incredibly wow. powerful as well. Wow. Yeah, crazy. So this sounds like 
an incredible program. Are people beating down the doors to be involved? Is there a waiting list? Or how can people learn more and get involved if they have a, of a, a 16 to 24-year-old that would be perfect for this program? Uh, definitely, there is a waiting list. But if somebody's interested, I would encourage you to contact us at Broadway Neighborhood Center. We can do a kind of drop-in visit. We also have an after-school leaders program uh, through Just TV that's separate, that is similar, and runs for youth ages 14 to 18. So we might be able to get you in that way. Um, but definitely connect with us. We'll do a tour. We'll, we'll get the youth uh, exposed to the program in the studio. I'm on the waiting list, and then we can go from there. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for telling us all about Just TV. Is there a phone number that people could reach uh, the BNC at? Yes, uh, the number is 204-772-9253. Very perfect. Laura Johnson, Program Manager for Just TV at the Broadway Neighborhood Centre. Thank you very much for telling us about Just TV, and uh, yeah, keep up the great work. Thanks, Nolan. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nolan. Up next, we've got my conversation with Joanne Mercier, the Executive Director of the Winnipeg Music Festival. They've got their upcoming 100th anniversary this weekend, so we'll learn all about the history of the festival and what you can expect at their centennial celebration that's happening this Sunday at the Met, and we'll have more details about that coming up after our next song. But before we get to that, though, here is Georgia Gibbs with Happiness Street right here on River City 360. Why am I happy? Why am I gay? Me and my baby just moved out today. Where? On Happiness Street, corner Sunshine Square. Now we don't quarrel, now we're so glad. Glad that we're living where love is the fad. Where? On Happiness Street. Corner Sunshine Square They never heard the blues They never heard the fears They never heard the woes They never heard the tears That's the reason Folks are happy there So won't you pack up your troubles Take my advice You and your baby on Happiness Street, corner Sunshine Square. Where? To Happiness Street, corner Sunshine Square. Happiness Street, corner Sunshine Square. They never heard the blues, they never heard the fears, they never heard the woes, they never heard the tears. That's the reason folks are happy there. So won't you pack up your troubles, take my
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I'm now joined by Joanne Mercier. She is the executive director of the Winnipeg Music Festival. Joanne, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So let's talk a little bit about the festival. So it's a, it's a month-long festival. Tell us a little bit about it and what categories it spans. What can people expect when they see an event that's part of the Winnipeg Music Festival? I think the variety of instruments and and all of the different uh, age groups that participate really make it for an interesting uh, event. We actually are in about 10 or 12 locations throughout uh, the time of our festival. And depending on what instrument or what, uh, you know, discipline is taking place, um, then you have to head to that location to hear it. So we have wonderful vocalists. We have the classical uh, classes in terms of the repertoire and also musical theatre for the singers. We have piano, we have strings, woodwinds, brass, a little bit of percussion, some chamber groups, some wonderful choirs. Um, guitar orchestras, orf groups, handbells, so we have quite quite a nice variety. And as far as age groups, we have, you know, young people, I think, as young as five this year participating, and we have people that are senior citizens that are, I mean, our senior citizens choir is participating, but also in the solo classes, we have a lot of participation by adults. That's awesome. So there's something really for everyone, um, whether you're participating or whether you just want to check out some uh, some music, everything from, as you said, uh, guitar to musical theater to choir. For the people who participate in the festival, what are some of the benefits to participating? I think it's really important, first of all, to start with life skills that you learn. It's the, um, you know, entering a competition or entering a festival. First of all, there's the preparation involved, the making selection of the right repertoire with your teacher or perhaps, you know, something that you want to learn yourself. And then after that, you're preparing for it. You're sort of gearing for a particular performance. So it's like, it's like an athlete in sports. You've you're got to peak at the right moment. And then you're working uh, with others if you're in a group. And it's just like a team where everybody has to make sure that they're ready and that they can do it. And, and learning to present in front of people. And sometimes it doesn't go the way you expect it to. But you also learn then by experience how to simply keep going and how to recover. I mean, at some point in life, everybody's going to get in front of people and present in one way or another. And so this is a marvelous way of, uh, you know, sort of setting a, st a goal for yourself and achieving it. So that's the first important part, I think. Uh, going to festival also offers you the opportunity to hear all this wonderful music. So it's not just the piece you've learned. Now you get to hear, you know, 20, 30, sometimes more than that, uh, individuals in the same class as you and then you want to go back and learn that piece you really loved it you know or you you so you're learning that and that is really what's building our audiences of the future and our audiences of today because you you learn to appreciate listening to others and we have people who actually attend because they want to hear what the adjudicators have to say. They want to learn to be better critics when they're attending something and to be able to assess, you know, what, it, what it's like. So I think there's, there's something for everybody in there, um, whether it's solo or, or part of a team in a choir. So this year, the festival is celebrating a very fantastic milestone, 100 years. Congratulations. Can you speak a little bit uh, to how the festival began and how it's kind of evolved over the years? Well, I think uh, it's really credit uh, to the Men's Music Club. Okay? This was a group of businessmen here in the city, and many of them were actually musicians as well. And they formed a group way back in 1915, and that particular group 
uh, were responsible for, we'll call it sponsoring, a variety of things. They sponsored the Winnipeg Mail Chorus at the time. They started up the festival. At that time, it was known as the Manitoba Musical Competition Festival, and many people participated in it and don't even really know it's the same thing. Uh, many of us in school choirs and things like that. Um, they also, um, you know, eventually um, sponsored um, the Winnipeg Philharmonic Choir, the Winnipeg Boys Choir, uh, the Girls Choir. They also helped to form this fantastic musical group here in the city, uh, the Winnipeg Civic Music League, and that was a citizens committee. And that particular committee um, helped to establish the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, Rainbow Stage, so the connections are just amazing what that group of, of men did. And with time there also was a, a women's auxiliary uh, affiliated and those ladies were just fantastic and they left a, a legacy actually um, over at the University of Manitoba leaving a wonderful scholarship annually for um, student at the university. So that group was uh, involved very heavily and, uh, and you know until about 1987 and at that point in time the festival will no longer was managed by the Men's Music Club and at that point in time they had hired their first executive director and since that point in time it's been you know board of directors managing and or, or you know working supporting the festival with an executive director comparing that first festival a uh, hundred years ago back in 1919 to today give us a sense sort of of what the scope of the first festival might have been and how does that compare to today I don't have those specific statistics with me, but having read a lot about it, um, I think one would be amazed at the thousands of individuals that were involved in those very first festivals. In fact, what is today our provincial archive building was in, in those days the auditorium, oh, wow. and that place was packed, absolutely packed. We have photos of people there till all hours of the night uh, listening to performances. And the choirs, I mean, there were companies, even the, the T. Eaton Company, the CN Railway, all of these these different companies had choirs as well and they participated in the festival so the numbers are probably in many ways very similar to what we see today which is around a 13,000 mark now in solos I mean we've certainly come a long way from then they might have had you know uh, a thousand or, or so in in those days and today we, we have many more than that but um, and we offer more disciplines and more levels and there's a whole provincial festival movement and a national festival movement now so there's, uh, I think, a, we'll say a more versatile or a broader scope covered. So with a century of history and with Winnipeg being renowned for its art scene and particularly its music scene, um, I'd imagine that there are some pretty notable musicians who have performed at one point at the festival. We do have uh, an amazing number of individuals. Uh, I know uh, when you look at our trophies and you look at the names engraved on there, we have, for instance, Mary Morrison, who actually won both of the top vocal awards in one year now. Since that time, you can only enter one level at a time, but uh, she was just amazing. And she is uh, in Toronto, and she was a wonderful teacher for so many of our, our Manitoba singers, um, notably Tracy Dahl and, uh, and so on. And so Tracy, of course, is now teaching and also in, in uh, has students in the festival and family in the festival. 
Um, uh, Valdine Anderson is another very uh, well-known name, and Valdine also is involved uh, in the festival still with um, conducting choirs and, and some students. Um, we have many of our symphony orchestra, uh, their children are, are participating in the festival, so we often have involvement of, of those individuals in various events, such as our upcoming uh, concert on, on Sunday. That's amazing. So in a lot of cases, um, people who have started out, uh, you know, they've performed at the festival and then they've gone on to teach people who are then participating at the festival themselves. You know, it, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, we have people who have gone on as well in other areas of music. Chantal Kruviasik, for instance, was one of our trophy winners. And, you know, obviously she's headed off in a different direction from classical music. But nonetheless, there's that wonderful love of music that continues. And many of our, our strong instrumentalists don't continue pursuing music studies. They're often going into medicine or they're going into engineering. But the involvement, the, the dedication, and the hard work that they put into it certainly goes into their studies as well. And their music remains very much something that they find relaxing and just another side to their lives that uh, is really appreciated. As we mentioned, with it being the centennial, there's a very special event that's taking place this Sunday. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the celebration? Yes, we're actually going to be in the old Metropolitan Theatre, which is now the Met Entertainment Centre. And it also, I think, is in that 100-year-old mark. And what we have is a, a, first of all, welcoming of our guests, um, those who have been able to come and join us, and some sharing in food and so on. But we're going to have an entertainment program that includes some small ensembles. We have some musical theatre. We have a piano duet. We have... Um, a family group uh, performing with a chamber ensemble, some operatic uh, selection, a trio of guitarists, so it'll be quite interesting. We have a National Film Board um, film that was done in 1945, uh, which was all about our festival and this wonderful festival movement here in the prairies and, and how this is really the heart of the festival movement in Canada. And, of course, Manitoba, well-known, and Winnipeg, for one of the largest festivals and, and obviously one of the longest-running festivals in Canada. I guess we won't have quite the same uh, finale that they did in the very first year because the evening uh, that the last festival concert or, you know, evening finished, uh, the Winnipeg General Strike had started and everybody had to walk home. Oh, wow. Oh, so quite a yeah, quite an interesting yeah. history behind the festival. Yeah. The and, photo uh, on the on the top of the or the free press front page was you know of everybody coming out of the auditorium and heading for street. You know there was no streetcars. There was they had to walk. Wow, so definitely um, definitely something to check out if people are interested in uh, in the festival and its history and want to celebrate that. And that's happening, I believe, at two thirty from two thirty to five on Sunday, this Sunday, February eleventh. Yes, that's correct. And so, how can people get tickets if they want to attend? Well, we have the tickets in the office, and so they need to contact us because they do need to pre-purchase them, and they're fifteen dollars each. And we're very grateful to the Winnipeg Foundation for helping us with that event, which allows us to make it an affordable ticket price for people to to be part of it. Perfect. And so people um, can call your office at 204-947-0184? That's right. Or if they want to give us a, send us an email at the initials of Winnipeg Music Festival, WMF at mts.net, and make arrangements that way, and we can uh, certainly connect with them. And, you know, they've only got a few more days, though, to get those tickets. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? We have one of our trophies, which is our most outstanding high school choir trophy, which is the Grey Cup. 
And I mean, I call it the Grey Cup because it's the Earl Grey Trophy. And it was donated to our festival by Earl Grey, the same guy who did give the CFL the Grey Cup. And the, at the time of the uh, Toronto um, hosting the la one of the Grey Cups recently, they actually did an article on our trophy oh. because they thought it was amazing because he sponsored and believed in both sports and in music and arts. So um, I think that was kind of a nice little you know, touch to the festival, which is it really connects with that team effort in the group things. Absolutely. Well, thank you again very much, uh, Joanne, and uh, congratulations on the festival's 100th anniversary and uh, the best of luck with this year's 100th Winnipeg Music Festival. Thank you very much. Hope to see you there. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next in our foundation update, Nina Edbaum-Keller of the Altona and Area Family Resource Group is going to be joining us to talk about early childhood literacy and the importance of starting young when it comes to reading to your kids or grandkids. But before we get to that, here's Joe Mr. Piano Henderson with They Can't Take That Away From Me right here on River City 360. Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today, and I'm now joined via telephone by Nina Edbum-Keller. She is the coordinator at the Altona and Area Family Resource Group. Nina, thank you for joining us. Hi. 
Um, so for today, having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. We uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about Literacy for Life and the granting that the Altona and Area Family Resource Group has gotten over the years. But I guess before we get into that, let's just talk, tell me a little bit about uh, the Altona and Area Family Resource Group. What are, what are you guys all about down there? We are a family resource center, obviously, and we work with pretty much the preschool uh, population in Altona and surrounding. We're actually in about five different communities because in rural Manitoba, it's harder to, like, sometimes there's transportation issues in that, so we right. try to bring the programming out to the little communities around the area. Cool. Yeah, I'm from Russell myself, so I know all about sort of the small little cluster of uh, of of small towns that Manitoba is sort of well known for. Um, so you guys are one of the first groups to receive a multi-year grant uh, from Literacy for Life at the Winnipeg Foundation. Uh, tell us about some of the programs that uh, this has helped enable over the years, because I, I think it started in 2004 where you got your first Literacy for Life grant. So just tell me about some of the programming that, uh, that, you, that you run there. Yeah, I wasn't around as a coordinator in 2004, but I'm really happy that it's now a multi-year grant. It's less grant writing for me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But over the years, like all of ours were based on the four pillars, and one of them is literacy and numeracy. So the programs that we run based on that would be the rock and read, the alphabet soup, that kind of thing. And there's also a new one, number train, that deals more with the numeracy, literacy kind of thing, with dealing with numbers. So those are the literacy ones that we offer. We do have some nutrition and some physical ones as well, but that would be the ones that um, when I do the grant for Literacy for Life, it's basically rock and read and alphabet soup. Okay. So how, how does that help kids sort of develop at an early age uh, proper literacy skills? It's, it's huge, but I think uh, literacy is kind of for, for the new parents, especially they're always worried, like, how can I make my kids grow up to be the best that they can? And I just think it's so much more than just... Uh, reading like and just to show them that it's not necessarily you have to bring the book and do that it's singing it's even when you're going to the grocery store and you're just telling them look I'm we're buying apples today or bananas and just incorporating it into their everyday life that's kind of what we're showing them that everything that they do it's not necessarily the book but even showing books that don't necessarily have words that there's mm. pictures and you can show them pictures and with the rock and read program for instance they're making a book for their child and and some parents get freaked out that, oh, I'm not a scrapbooker and I can't do that. I said, you know what, put a picture of your, you or your child or family in there. And the kids think it's great because it's something you did for them. Yeah, for sure. Like a custom kind of a, a learning tech or a learning module or something. Exactly. And some of the stories that I get later say, oh, my kid just loved it. They take it. They put it underneath their pillow at night. Uh -huh. They go to sleep with it or they drag it to grandma and grandpa to their friend's house and they tell the story of it. And so it's really cute that they're, they're learning it without them even sure. knowing that they're dealing with the literacy portion, right? Yeah, tell me about a few other sort of impact stories that have that have, that you've heard from teachers or or parents or anyone when it comes to uh, teaching their kids. It's kind of interesting. There's a couple that I can think of. Um, the teachers, when our 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 participants go from being in our programming and enter into kindergarten, the teachers say they can tell the ones that have come to our, some of our programs. Really, eh? Yeah, it's not necessarily that they can read right away, mm -hmm. but it's just their social development, their empathy, their, like, you know, dealing with other kids being there with them, not just at home with themselves or their their siblings and things. So they can tell that they've already got that. And they're, they're knowing a little bit more about their shapes or maybe even their numbers and recognizing some letters and that. So they can kind of tell. And I know even with the ECDI results, 
before we didn't have the rock and read, there was kind of that kids were struggling when they were entering kindergarten with those kind of attributes now mm-hmm. that we're seeing because we've been doing the rock and read for so long that they're noticing that it's gotten better. Our numbers have gotten better, but then our our numbers have been, like the reading part has been getting better, but then the number part went down, so that's why we've introduced uh-huh, like okay. this number train. Very cool. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what have you noticed a progression for kids that are in these programs for multiple years, or is it just kind of are they in for a couple of years and then they're out and you stop tracking them, or how how does that work? Well, yeah, we just deal with them when they're in the preschool age, so it's okay, kind of yeah. when they come the zero to five kind of thing, and then mm-hmm. after they're in the school. But the school tracks with their early childhood instrument development okay. instruments, so they can track them when they come into kindergarten, and then we're starting to see because it's all been around that there is an improvement in the literacy portion. And they, I'm pretty sure they say the earlier you start, the better it is because getting getting kids started, even at the age of, like you said, zero, like zero to one or two years old, even though they maybe can't even communicate, it's still valuable to have these literacy, literacy skills almost kicking off for them. For sure. And uh, we've even been told that even when the baby is still in the tummy, if the mums read really? and stuff like that, because we've had... And I don't know if we, I can't remember if the story came right from one of my group or if it was um, something that we had brought to the group. But there was um, how, like, you know, it's usually like the mom and the dad kind of are together all the time. And then even when she was pregnant, like they'd talk and they'd sing or whatever. And then when the baby was born, they were in the hospital room and the baby was kind of cooing at mom. And then the dad came in the room and said something and the baby's head turned. Because it could recognize. Wow. Yeah, That's and I noticed that with my own kids. Even with music, there was a certain kind of music I listened to when one when I had one child and then the next, and they like or they dislike the music because oh. they remember. Wow. That's fascinating. So even in utero, they're still, so that's why we encourage them to all the time or hum or just something so that that's, it's a comfort tool for them. So the earlier, the better, obviously. Yeah. You you mentioned a little earlier about, I mean, not having to write a grant proposal every single year, but what are some of the the other benefits of these, the multi-year granting change and how, how is it going to sort of change how you guys do your planning and how the programs are uh, implemented? It will give me more time to focus (laughs) on, on, bringing the programs to the different right. communicators and uh, or different communities and finding the, the facilitators because I can't facilitate them all, mm-hmm. but I can coordinate more and more. So that kind of gives me more time to do that instead of always figuring out right. or writing these grants that are usually multi-pages, right? For sure. But it, it's the same thing. Like, literacy is literacy. Like, you, if we're not reinventing the wheel. It's like reading, writing you know, shapes, music, that kind of thing. And it's important. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to focus on that as opposed to writing the words down all the time. For sure. Yeah, well said. So what are the five other towns that uh, the uh, Altona in Area Family Resource Group services? We're in Altona, Gretna, Rosenfeld, Emerson. We've done work in Letelier. And also this year we're bringing a drop-in program to Dominion City. Oh, very cool. So for anyone who's in that area or maybe has relatives or family in that area, how can they uh, get a hold of you and find out more information? Probably the easiest way. We do have a website. And uh, so that's kind of our general information. All the programs we offer are on there. They're not all running at the same time. And we also have a Facebook page. Very and cool. that seems to be the way to get everybody the quickest and get the yeah. word out there. Everybody's on Facebook nowadays, hey, I guess. Apparently, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to tell us about uh, the Altona and Area Family Resource Group. We really appreciate your time. Nina Edbaum-Keller is the coordinator at the Altona and Area Family Resource Group. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks, Nolan. We've got time for some more music before we get going, so here is Nancy Wilson with At Long Last Love, right here on River City 360. Is it an earthquake? Or simply a shock? Is it the good turtle soup Or merely the mock Is it a cocktail This feeling of joy Or is what I feel The real McCoy Is it for all time Or simply a lark Is it Granada I see Or only Asbury Park Is it a fancy was Nancy Wilson with At Long Last Love. You are listening to River City 360 with Nolan Bicknell and Robert Zirk, and we've got time for one last song before we say goodbye to you today. So here is Shep Fields and his Rippling Rhythm Orchestra with Please Think of Me right here on River City 360. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking with us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360. Views and news from around Winnipeg. This is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. If there's anything you'd like to comment on about today's episode, or if there's any particular songs you'd like to hear, or if you think that there's a story that we should highlight and shine a spotlight on for the show, please give us a call or send us an email. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
Our phone number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also send us an email, rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org, if you'd like to send us an email instead. Or again, the number to our listener line one more time is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook as well by searching at rivercity360 on Twitter and rivercity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bignall signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening to the show today, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. As you, my love, when you feel blue For someone to love you For someone to love you Please think of me 